Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the What's on Joe Mine team stream. It's Friday. It's 9 p.m. You didn't have anything better to do. Here we are. Uh, I'm your host. I'm Mike Irizarry. And with me, of course, uh, our usual suspects. Uh, first off, the queen of G.I. Joe cosplay. You can see her down there in the bottom row. It's Joe Colton, everyone. Hello. Joe Colton, how's the last week treating you? Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're starting with what we got in. Apparently so. Apparently so. I, I cannot. My husband is very good to me. <laughs> that. I just have a 20-ounce Coke Zero. Excellent. That's, that's all. 34 ounces. Well, see ya. It'll be a long night, gentlemen. That's called a super big gulp. Right? Five liters. <laughs> Well, now that's the Canadian in you coming out. Right. Yeah. Paul, Paul what are you drinking? You have, you have a big purple bubble stuff there. Ooh, I'm yes. drinking water. Sorry. Water? It's Friday yeah. night. I know. I know. Joe Colton drinks water. Sad one. panda. <laughs> mouth, like, like poison. So we were at a Mexican restaurant a few days ago, and everybody ordered waters and whatever. And I was like, "Hold my water, just bring me the large beer." And the guy like looked at me, and I was like, "I get water drunk. It's a thing. Just bring me the beer. It's fine." I mean, the, the uh, beer, hydrate you. The beer is water based, so I keep telling people that, and no one's like, "You have to actually drink water." Like, mm. coffee is not water. I was like, "It is <laughs> caffeine with water." Yeah. Yeah, kind of balances one another out for sure. It, you're you're doing okay with it, so it, it's it can't be that bad. It's too late now. <laughs> right. Also joining us at the top row, former head of marketing for the GI Joe brand at Hasbro. It's the Hot Show, Mark Weber. Hey, what's up? This is the eve of spring break out in Rhode Island, so I'm about to be a uh, about to be a solo effort for nine days. Here, here in the Midwest, we yeah. were we were done with that beginning of this week, even. Yeah, we do. Uh, they do two spring breaks out here, which is kind of funky, but whatever. It's New England. We know what we're doing. Uh, apparently, except the Red Sox game got snowed out today. <laughs> <laughs> we always get one of those out here. We always get one late Mother Nature flex. It's like, guess what? Still in charge. Wow. I'm good with it. It was beautiful here in Indianapolis. And who would know that better than the scribe for the current D.I. Uh, Joe series from IDW. That's Paul Aller in bottom right. Hello. Paul, how's things since the last time we talked to you? Things are good. Things are good. You're right. It was a beautiful day today. Got to get out there with my dog for a while, as I do on any day that's not terrible. So if it's not raining or snowing or extremely cold or extremely hot, we're out there. You were uh, you were set, telling us before the show started that he his 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 aim was not that good today. Yeah, yeah, I was saying that he he uh, he tried to roll around on a uh, a dead fish by a creek where we were walking, and uh, he missed the dead fish, and then he almost rolled himself into the creek, and I had to like pull him back with my leash. So yeah, my dog is blind for those who don't know. So yeah, these things happen. Um, yesterday, he actually the. Uh, a mailman knocked when they were dropping a package off and he was sitting on the couch, which is right there. And he like leaped up, fell off the couch. And then like he was barking this whole time, ran into this hallway back here, hit his head on the wall, ran back out, ran over his feeder here and like knocked it over, 
ran into the door, which is right here, and then ended up pointing toward the corner here, away from the door, barking at it. So and that all happened over the course of like five seconds. It's like, boom, bam, bam, boom, bam, boom, bam. And I was like, oh, buddy, you are so blind, but you are so adorable. <laughs> Sounds like a Three Stooges episode. Kind yes, of. yes. He, he's very, he's very good at slapstick. Can you videotape this and send it to me? I just want to see him do this. I never know when it's going to happen. That's the problem. Yeah. The other, day, the other day, he was um, the stairs outside our apartment. He misjudged where they were. And so he was standing there next to the stairs, like with his little paw, pawing up, trying to find the stair and getting very frustrated. He was, and I was like, I got my camera out as quickly as I couldn't. By the time I got my camera out, he had like figured it out, moved over to the stairs. I was like, oh, so close. That would have been great. But yeah. I, I saw a welcome mat you can get that I need for our little dog that says, Ring the bell and I shall sing you the song of my people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Right. It's uh, we what we need to do is uh, if we we build up enough fundage, run the uh, the twenty four seven shorty cam on the What's on Joe Mind YouTube channel. There you go. Just just maybe put a little one of those little portable cameras on him and just 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 pick up what he's doing one day. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm game. Right. Can't hurt. There's no nope. such thing as bad publicity. I have to take it off before he goes into the creek because he does. Uh, he does hit the water a lot. Ah, I think they're good. They're waterproof. They're good. Okay, great. We're good then. No problems there. We're not worried about that at all. He's he's fine. I'm getting a. I'm getting a quick copy here, so that we can tell folks all the exciting the, the exciting place that they can donate. Oh, oh no, it didn't work at all. So we'll tell everybody later. But uh, we got a Ko-Fi page or a coffee page or a Kofi page coffee. or oh nice. What is it called? So, anyways, it's it's coffee.com slash what's on Joe Mind. Uh, we also have uh, coffee.com slash Joe Colton cosplay uh, for Joe's individual cosplaying efforts. What you, what you trying to do, Joe? I am trying to uh, build the animatronic wings for Wonder Woman's golden armor suit. Oh, cool. Yeah, so like I can build them, but I want them animatronic because why not? You'll need that to fight bad father Maxwell Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Get those cybernetic leg braces to hold yourself up because it's going to be four hundred pounds. <laughs> I have found a way to make it lighter, but that's a but lot of light. <laughs> not light, lighter. Right. right. I mean, we do have to figure in that Joe Colton is seven foot three and yes. and three hundred five pounds. Yeah, she is, she is a giantess. So for my crimson ass, the backpack is all metal, like metal pipes, metal knobs, like metal tank, <laughs> like they're actual real metal. So it's like a fifty pound pack Paul, on me. Uh, in addition to this, I don't know crimson asp is a is a club exclusive character. They she basically carries a big flamethrower. They should know who this is. I'm telling Paul who they know oh. who this is. I He's our guest, you know. I think, I think Paul knows who Crimson Asp is. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes, definitely. You just, just mansplained to another man, but that's okay. <laughs> he didn't Please know. continue, Mike. Go ahead. I believe he knew. I'm, Tell our guests. I'm, I'm giving it back to you now. So now, now, now that everybody knows who Crimson Asp is, finish your story. Well, yeah. I, I, I think if you go back and look at the video later, you'll see me expressing my face that, that can be translated as, 
And that was me going, that, that was me going, crimson, crimson, a oh, asp, asp, okay. Gotcha. Uh -huh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Crimson asp. asp. <laughs> it was crimson ass, the baboon cobra. There you go. <laughs> he throws poop. <laughs> he's a he's a poop viper. Just saying. There you go. I was I was wondering is that uh, Weber's dog or, or Paul's dog? And it's 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 Emma. Oh, it, it's Emma Frost. Yeah, she's uh, <laughs> she's like my web. No, she's not. She's not facing me. She's looking up the stairs. Saying, Where are all my favorites? Yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck on the bottom with fourth favorite. She keeps making noise. I'm going to open up that baby gate and she can go find her friends. Yeah, I got no problem with that. Then she can wrestle with the cat. That's it. All with all 14 front paws or fingers, I guess. Her toes, yeah. yeah. 86 toed cat. So, anyways, uh, getting back to on subject, only only nine minutes in this time. We're better. <laughs> it's actually a record. I think there was one week we got to business after eight. It was, it was weird. But uh, anyways, this week we saw the release of, of the trade paperback from Paul's run on G.I. Joe. That is G.I. Joe World on Fire. That is my nice copy, you know, only lightly dinged from Amazon. But it is available for you to, to get uh, on, on your newsstands today. Uh, if you have not been paying attention to his run, this is a good time to do it because it is all collected there. It is all 10 issues plus the one-shot Castle Fall. Uh, so a nice, nice compendium of everything that's happened so far. And I guess the big question, Paul, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll, start, we'll start you with the big one because that's all we have really is like three questions. And then we just talk about dog stuff for the rest of the show. Sure. But um, the big question is, what is the status of your GI Joe book? <laughs> um. Basically, IDW has not made an announcement yet one way or the other, and I wouldn't want to step on anything that they were to announce. So I know I've been, this is what I've been saying to people on social media who've been asking me this for months, and people are, I think, getting tired of hearing it, and I'm getting, you know, tired of saying it as well. But that's, just make uh, a sign. That is that is where we're at, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, we got a good we got a good chunk of subscribers now. Hopefully, that will take care of a lot of them. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Excellent. I mean, but yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where we're at. All right. So, I, I guess the the easy answer for everybody, as far as hey, well, what can we do? I I think the answer is, you know, send a tweet, send an email, send something very calmly explaining how much you enjoy Paul's series and want it to continue. Yes. Because, uh, the end of GI Joe Castlefall is by no means an ending to the story. Uh, it is open ended, and there's still lots of story to tell. Uh, for that group of Joes and, and that reality, and and it would be a shame to see it end prematurely. And just to be clear, send it to IDW, not to me, since a lot of people do this. <laughs> like, a, lot of, a lot of people tell me, like, hey, I want to see more of this, and I'm like, right? tell, tell these yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah. like, wow, me, wow, me too. <laughs> right, right. Are they sending it to the official Paul Aller fanfic site, is my question. Uh, I hope so. Right? I mean, I mean, that's where things really get done, yeah. <laughs> That, that's what it would be without IDW's okay, right? Yeah, pretty much. All pros. And, uh, but, um, so anyhow, I guess we'll, we'll go back. We'll, we'll touch base with Castlefall because Castlefall is still pretty fresh. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this book got released right on the heels of, of, of the actual run of Castlefall. Mm -hmm. yeah. And 
neat story, man. It was nice to see some of these characters um, turn the page and become something that we do recognize a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We were definitely building up to that all along. Yeah. Um, who was who was your favorite character to write in that story? Modus. Um, <laughs> I'm actually right there with you. That, I, <laughs> I liked I liked getting uh, Cobra Commander a little more fleshed out because we hadn't really seen him in any sort of action before then, so that was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, really, I, I want to say like everyone, uh, Baroness that, that that Baroness Tiger fight was a lot of was really enjoyable. Um, so yeah, I, I had a really good time like fleshing out a lot of these these characters. Um, but yeah, I, I think Cobra Commander, if I, had to, if I had to pick one, I had a lot of fun with him. His his dialogue is just such a joy to write. He he's a deadpan funny bastard. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and again, mm-hmm. I apologize, but spoilers for for Castlefall for anybody who has not read it to this point. It's been like four weeks. It's your fault at this point. Yeah. <laughs> when the when the bat chases Baroness and Cobra Commander into the elevator, yes, and and the door closes on it just as the machine gun is fire is getting to them. Yeah, he, he, there's a there's that beat. Uh, well, that was bracing. <laughs> that was bracing. Yes, yes. That whole scene, like I, I, I really liked it in the script phase, and then when I got the art back from Chris, um, the way he handled like all the elevator stuff, it was just, I just loved that so much. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. He, he really has done a bang up job with this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We were remiss if we did not mention really all of your artists. Uh, Chris hasn't done every issue. Mm-hmm. Folks who have come in and filled in for a spot have, have done a great job as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Emma, Emma, Nico, and Ryan have all been fantastic. And then Bri, Bri Pierre Colors has been on every issue and has just really just elevated the book to a, a whole other level. Just Bri has just done something new and different on every issue and done such an amazing job of also like tracking the seasons. Because um, the this this the first trade world on fire basically takes place over a year. Um, and you really see the seasons go by as we as we go, like I actually, um, in the scripts kept track of like, you know, here's what month it is, um, each time. And the issues took place like roughly a month apart. Some of them were a little closer and a little further apart, but yeah, yeah, they, everyone just did such an amazing job. Absolutely. But, uh, for, for myself, roadblock would be, he was the one I was just going, yeah, for the most, uh, cause it was, it was, it was fun to see him make the turn from citizen to soldier yeah yeah that was so much fun absolutely um and you know it's it's funny because back in the first issue um i initially like the the, the beat where he like kills the viper and then is sort of like you know shook by it was 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 really came from a hasbro note um that in my in my initial script you know he was a little more already a little more further along that journey um and hasbro's like you know bear in mind these are civilians we really want to show that the impact that that would have on them and at the time i'll be honest i was kind of like this is roadblock, man. <laughs> you know, um, but um, but I'm so glad that they that they gave me that note because because really being able to see that that, that journey was was one of the I think the fun things about this this whole arc. Yeah. So I'm I'm hogging all the time. Mark, you got anything? I was uh, as a a big fan of the movie Aliens, like probably my favorite movie of all time. Rock and roll shoving something into the face of a bat or some kind of explosive and saying, eat this. 
<laughs> just got the Corporal Hicks fan and me all excited. Was that a was that a direct homage or was that just a great line? It wasn't. Um, it was just a total coincidence. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to admit, Aliens is the is the Alien movie that I've seen the least. I usually tend to watch the the first one uh, more. But um, but yeah, that's hey, that's that's great. I think we're all we're all just we're all just feeding from the same action. Well, yeah, no, it works either way. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it could have been. Yeah, absolutely, was, absolutely. But be as big an Aliens honk as I am. Of course, I see, I see it anytime anything even brushes up against it. So right, right, for sure. But I dug that. I was kind of curious. There's a, there's a ton of Joe drivers, guys who just drive the vehicles, mm -hmm. and Crankcase makes his first appearance. Yeah, so I don't think we've seen him before. Did you have a bunch to choose from, or did you have him in mind specifically? Oh, we'd seen him before. I didn't remember. Um, I didn't remember him from earlier on. I can't believe you don't remember his um, extremely prominent cameo in issue two. But you turned right to it. Hold on. Oh, right. the other way, yeah. That's the back of his head right there. Oh, that <laughs> poor. Um, see, no. what? <laughs> see, his figure is a redhead, and that's you know close close to my heart. Right. Right. So I didn't recognize that yours was was aged <laughs> up a little bit. But no, more seriously, what happened there is that um, you can kind of see that like the hint of a mustache on that guy. And when I was looking at characters to use because I needed a driver for that team, I was like, I was like, this guy looks kind of like Crankcase. Like, and, and that'll save Chris from having to design another character because you were on, always running on a fairly short de deadline. So I kind of like, I put Crankcase in the book. And I was like, and by the way, Chris, <laughs> this random character that you drew back in issue two, I decided that's Crankcase. So you don't have to worry about his design. We've already got him and down gonna kick, there. We're gonna <laughs> yeah, what was his right? response? Is he like, oh, okay, great, yeah. I, I I think this is something in the scripts. I'm not sure if you responded directly, but yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. He looked at it. He's like, all right. Uh -huh. all right, all right, there we go, there we go. But yeah, for sure. Well, it's it's a little funny and a little ironic that Hasbro just put him out, right, and in their retro line with the off striker. So. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even realize that. They're, oh, not, yeah. putting, that's, that's they're cool. not putting a whole lot of classic product out now, so the sink is almost perfect. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, like, yeah, like, there were a lot of drivers. And one of the fun things about this book, too, is, is kind of like, you know, because so many of the characters have very specific military specialties, and that's not so much, you know, what they're doing in this book is very different than, than that. So it's been interesting kind of trying to, like, align people with that so yeah i never did I, I always wanted to include at least one panel of like cover girl working you know under the hood but I, I didn't get a chance to do that yet so if we do more i'll be able to do that but um but yeah, yeah. idw <laughs> <laughs> castle fall right. should not be just a one shot right Keep going <laughs> there you go there you go so uh I'll turn back a little further into the series because it's been a few months since we had you. Um, last time we spoke, it was after issue seven, which was the, we'll, we'll just call it the Scarlet issue. Um, so, but I want to go a little bit forward from there to the Tunnel Rat issue. Yeah. Number nine. Um, and way back when we first met one another in person at CoilCon, um, you had made a reference. Um, you had said something. We were, we were chatting kind of off the record that doesn't matter now because the issue's done. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to have an issue where I kill some guys and it's going to, it's, it's really going to piss some people off. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
who did you have in mind in in regards to that? Because some of those characters, obviously, they you gave them more run with their one panel death than they ever got in Marvel. So, but some of them not so much. So, who who were you thinking you were going to really irritate people by killing? I don't remember. I don't think I was thinking of anyone specific. I just know that like every character is someone's favorite. So I think that's just what I was thinking. Just just when you kill that many characters all at once and you know in their in their first panel, then you know. And also like originally my plan was to use like two or three real Joes and then have the rest of them be like people I made up for that issue. But then I was kind of like, nah, <laughs> let's just do this. Let's just do it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think I was thinking of it specifically. Just you know, I think I mean Dusty, I think is a pretty big one. Um, yeah, that one was like, do I want to do this? You know, a few of them was like, do I want to do this? And I was like, yeah, I mean, if you're gonna do this, you know. Was there anyone you weren't to allowed to kill? Like, did they? Did anyone indicate to you like so and so is off the table? Um, no. Other than the obvious ones, like that. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, when you kill Duke on page five, um, spoiler. Um. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think probably if I tried to kill some of them, then it would have come up. Like if I tried to kill probably Scarlet or Snake Eyes, I think that would have been a conversation. Um, but so. but but it didn't really, it didn't ever come up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm always curious when like writers do like stories like this where you're like killing off beloved characters, mm -hmm. and it's like maybe on a grand scale or a small scale. If there's anyone off. Like if there's a direction, like so and so is off the table, for whatever reason, like they just this is off the table. Oh yeah, like I'm sure. Um, and because and I I give them my outlines way ahead of time, so I'm sure that like when I gave them the outline, if I had if I had killed anyone that was off the table, then they would have absolutely let me know. And I feel like I think Duke was a discussion. It's been like it's been like a, two years ago now um, since I wrote that one, but. I think there might have at least been some discussion of like, do we want to use someone else here? Um, but I, I, I can't really remember. Or maybe they were like, who's Duke? Wow. Throw that out there. <laughs> we, had a, we had a brainstorm session once when, when I was working on Transformers with IDW, uh, with John Barber and the crew. And we had made way too many Bumblebee figures from that third movie. And the fan base was getting a little tired of Bumblebee. <laughs> and so I I pitched them. I said, "What do you? Got? They're like, what, what about some big ideas? What can we do that we shake things up?" I said, "How about we kill Bumblebee?" And that was coming from the Hasbro guy. And the IDW guys are like, <laughs> "You can't say things like that." <laughs> can we do that? I'm like, yeah. I mean, it's it's comic books, right? It won't last too long. But right, right. Yeah. So yeah. Just respond to just respond to the chat here. Duke is not in a coma. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me be very clear about this. Duke is not going to be a-okay. No. <laughs> right, no. right. <laughs> uh, but uh, what, I'll be honest, that issue didn't bother me that much. And here's why. Um, in the previous IDW incarnation, they had this bad habit of introducing named characters that we recognized and often in one panel. But they would be doing like sentry duty, or they would open a door, and you know a bullet would find them, and it was just like these stupid, pointless shock deaths. In your issue nine, the Joes that died, at least died on a mission 
doing what their specialties called on them to like they were absolutely doing their job there was no no way to to translate that any differently like dial tone you know was killed trying to get the communications rig going uh long arm was died you know died planning a bomb that he couldn't get away from you know a tracker and and, and spearhead were were on sniper duty you know so like obviously they were all doing their specific tasks that we would recognize them doing and that made it a little okay like even if, even if you hated that they killed your character they they died with their boots on so to speak so yeah. it, it was all right yeah and that moment at the end was shipwreck where he's like you have to tell me how they went you know um and i kind of in my brain the, the narration that we see throughout the issue is is him telling telling that the shipwreck later that's like you know i never make that explicit but that's kind of how i saw that as i was writing it mm. yeah and uh it, it's a shame that we didn't get to see how tunnel rat would integrate with the rest of your team yet so far yes <laughs> right. At stay tuned IDW. <laughs> yeah although i mean he may never have because you know the the, the idea was that that there are GI Joe teams all around the world. And I know that's one thing that, you know, Hasbro definitely was interested in seeing me do more of was showing the global scale of it. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, you can see how that can easily open into the next chapter, right? Where did, mm -hmm. you know, where'd the bad guys go? They went somewhere. So yeah, lot, lots sure. of room yeah. to, lots of room. And to also, relax. I mean, this may sound shocking, but I actually uh, had planned to have snake eyes in more than one panel. So if we do more, we'll, you know, <laughs> You'll see him on more than one panel as well. <laughs> yes. You you got through an entire year of G.I. Joe comics with one panel of Snake Eyes. I think that... that yeah, it's pretty that impressive that, right there. Yeah, he shows up at the end of issue six, and I think that's the, also the latest he's shown up in any, in any continuity. Yeah. Well, he's always there at the beginning. Yeah. You know, he, he was there at the beginning, so... Yeah. I gave him that great speech, though, so that worked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's so a passive snake eyes. There you go. Hmm? What did you say, Mike? Uh, Joe Colton, how much wine have you passed off at this point? I still got half a glass. Okay. All right. You need to get to work. We're like a half an hour in. I'm kind of surprised to see the glass at all. I thought it'd just be a long straw. Right. It's not like really a, a box of wine as an adult Capri Sun. Right. <laughs> like it, a curly straw? A I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of ways to open that. So, Paul, we'll, we'll consider this the end of Act 1. Was there any character that you wanted to work into Act 1 that that you weren't able to? No, no, this was pretty much how I planned it being. Um, so yeah, yeah, because like I said, I, I do, I do give me issue outlines from the beginning. So um, there was actually originally going to be speaking of a little bit more Snake Eyes uh, in the in the second half, but again, Hasbro is kind of like we'd like to see a little bit more, you know, around the world of what's happening, and so that's kind of where the um, the Tunnel Rat issue and the um, the Chuckles and Bomb Strike issue came from was um was wanting to see more of the the global scale and the global reach of it 
So, so yeah, I mean, there are definitely a lot of characters that I plan on introducing when we, I'm not going to say when, when we do more. Um, but this was definitely where I had wanted to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's got it's to be something to see. I mean, all the issues are great, but for something that had such a strong narrative going, it must be nice to see it all collected together, you know, in one binding, I got to imagine. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I mean, that's a that's a thick book. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. What and I think, I, because I've always been a single issue collector, as, as a comic collector, going way back, that was all we had usually. But, you know, I like I like getting that issue and tearing through it. But I think those trade paperbacks are really valuable down the road when people go, you know, if you never read Paul Aller's run, like or the initial run, chapter one, we'll call it. To, to be able to go on Amazon and go dot, 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 cool, and it's here in two days, all of them, the whole story. Like, yeah. it was it was real. So, like, I was, I was a guy who came to, because I was a Marvel fan and not much of a DC fan, I came to Watchmen late, right? Mm -hmm. And there was nothing like getting, getting the trade and tearing through it in, like, two sittings over a weekend. Yeah. Like, that, that's one of the real joys, I think, as a comic collector is when you get a recommendation for something great that you missed and now, and now you get to binge it you get to tear through it in a weekend so i can yeah. absolutely see this being uh being you know re almost required reading for joe fans down the road people who yeah. people who see maybe see the snake let's hope god let's hope the snake eyes movie is great yeah and fan, and there are new fans to the brand. Mm -hmm. And so this is just the exact kind of thing where you can say, new to G.I. Joe, here's here's what you gotta read. You know, you gotta read the silent yeah. issue, you gotta read Snake Eyes of Classified, and you have to read Paul Aller's World World on Fire. So I, I dig it when I even though it's not how I collect, I, I think there really is a tremendous value to the mm -hmm. collected arc. And so I was really glad to see that come out. And the other value to them, the way that it, it helps out with new readers is that you can get them from libraries. So even if you're not able to make that financial investment, you can still get into a series that way. Though obviously, I would encourage everyone to buy you know multiple copies of it and not get it through the library. You know, free yeah. libraries. Yeah. But you know, yeah. if if you if you must. So yeah. Whereas obviously, you're not going to get floppies through the. It's funny. I actually I actually just saw um, when I, I was checking to see if the Indianapolis Library was getting this this book, um, the trade, and I saw that they have a copy of number five, the issue that takes place in Indianapolis. Um, in their collection, but it's like in the special collections room of the central library. Like you can't check it out. You can just like go in and like read it there. So I was like, you know, obviously they don't want you to like check out a little 22 page floppy, but that kind of, that really tickled, that, that really tickled me that they, you know, since it takes place in Indianapolis, they brought it into the library and they have it like, you know, in the special like, section, the special collections room. It's like this GI Joe issue. I love that. Yeah. I think that's cool. high praise. Like they, <laughs> yeah, they yeah, must have just cool. known nobody would bring it back. Right. They would, they would just be replacing it over and over and over again. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah. the page where you and Shorty were there as dreadnoughts would be torn out at the very least. Yes, absolutely. By me, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Get a little frame on it. Yep. I'd love, I'd love to see you trying to explain that to the librarian. Like, no, no, no. Look, look, look. Here's my, here's my dog here. Here's right. My, here's right. my ID. It's me. Don't it's my as, as because it's, drag, me, it's mine. <laughs> as they drag you away, you can use those most satisfying words. Don't you know who I am? There you go. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> nice. 
The dog would be so confused. Right. <laughs> and, the, and the dog would be like, where's the stairs? Where's the stairs? Yes. This is paper. <laughs> yes. Where's that damn mailman? I smell him. <laughs> he does. He does smell the mailman, yes. <laughs> and all my neighbors. He knows what all my neighbors smell like. And barks at them all. It's like the people I most would want him to get along with are my neighbors. Those are the people that he like barks at the most. So, I was, just, I was yeah. just thinking, if he wasn't already a dreadnought, he could have been the new order or the new junkyard, right? In round in in the second chapter, right? Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what? yeah. We have big military uses, Jeff. Well, junkyard uh, junkyard is in issue issue two as well. So oh, there's right. a yeah yeah yeah. It would have had been ordered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could totally redo Law and Order where it's like a a bazooka trooper and he's the projectile. Now we're <laughs> just you know thinking out loud. There you go. So yeah, rack rack time, Rob. Uh, obviously, another indie native. Uh, that issue did seem to do well here. Uh, I was in a comic shop a few times when people came in asking for it because they heard about being set in Indianapolis. Hmm. So there you go. Awesome. The old locals want to see the bats tear apart their hometown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was also like most of it takes place in Broad Ripple too, which is the neighborhood I live in because I'm lazy. Um, and I had a lot of fun just like walking around taking photo reference for, for Chris around my own neighborhood. So I was like, here's mm -hmm. this. This this panel takes place on this bridge, and this one takes place on this street. You know, like that. And so. that'll be destroyed, and then that'll yeah. be destroyed. And exactly. That guy didn't give me my coffee right. That'll be destroyed. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Make, Just kidding, folks. Right. Like, it makes right. me wonder if you go back through that book, if if, if the people who, the dreadnoughts who die in that issue, are they like? The people that screwed up Paul's order at the Burger King, or yeah, they are not. <laughs> I actually originally was going to send Chris more reference of like people that I do know who live in Indianapolis, like sort of incorporate them into the book. And I was like, you know, I already like he's already putting me and Shorty, and I don't want to like give him a bunch of like likenesses to have to do on top of that. So I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna be kind to him and not not ask him to like make all my every once in a while just stick one in. <laughs> Remember that time in Indianapolis that that goes. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, Rack time. Rob did say it took him a few minutes to get over uh, the fact that he had been killed by bats. So it, it took him a little bit to to adjust to that. Usually doesn't hit quite that close to home. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. And also, uh, one weird thing about that book is that um, Chris found some photo reference for the Soldiers and Sellers Memorial downtown on my Google Maps. And it just happened that the photo reference he used was basically right outside the front door of downtown comics. Um, so, so like downtown comics, you know, they, they, they have this, this panel in, and I think they actually, yeah, they actually had Chris, um, he works digitally, but they had him like do a traditional recreation of, of that page of, you know, that, that angle from right outside their, their door and it like hangs in their shop now. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, very cool. That's pretty cool. Well, I, I used to work for them back in the day. Oh, nice, nice. For about about a year. Yeah, it was it was uh, the dark period, but but it was it was fun being there. <laughs> right. Okay. We're 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 both we're both comic carnival guys now, though, right? Hmm. Um. I mean, they are they are the closest to me. So yeah, I have to admit, I'm not in in comic shops 
much these days. But, <laughs> but um, I mean, I know it sounds horrible. Thank but um, are you. there any? I, most... I do the show. I have to mention them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're fantastic. I love them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They they know you're here this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's that I'm not used to people. Like it's one thing. Like you actually do something. So it's one thing for you to be recognized. It's something else entirely for me to. Hey, don't you have a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Nice, right there. Yeah, no, no. It, it's really. It's, you know who I am? Yes. Of course, and Mike Rosario. I have a podcast. I have a podcast. Yes, I do really like those guys. They're right next to. Um, or just, they're a little bit down from. Um, the the coffee shop that didn't make your coffee right. Right. <laughs> The pet store where where I take shorty I take shorty once in a while, um, and so when I'm when I'm down there for that they they let me bring shorty in so I'll I'll walk down and visit the shop as well, let him sniff around their books. The the guy who screwed up his coffee is Buzzer's dad. <laughs> uh, poor Buzzer's dad. Right, Buzzer's dad. He he tough loss. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> Even the little the little thing he's um, he's kneeling on, where they're going to execute him, is a real place down by the creek. Um, and the other day, when I was walking Shorty along the creek, he like went out and like was like standing on it, and, like sat down, and I'm like, "No, Shorty, that's the execution spot. Get off." <laughs> Not stand there. Yeah. They're coming for you, Shorty. Uh huh. It's oh, weird because in movies, usually it's the dog warning the human when something bad is going to happen. Right. Exactly. It's almost completely inverted. Yep. Shorty has yep. no fear. No fear. No. So here's a question for the, the rest of the panel. What was the character that you wanted to see get more play? Mark mm -hmm. Weber, who, who did you want to see do more in Act 1 that didn't quite get the spotlight enough? Interrogator, of course. No, the, I mean out of the ones that actually appeared. Well, I mean, you didn't know Crankcase appeared until... Paul showed us the back of his head. <laughs> if if so, your answer is crankcase, then fine, he's there. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm trying. I mean, I really dug Tunnel Rat once we got to him, but I think yeah. I would. I wouldn't. It wouldn't have been as good if we'd had Tunnel Rat around before that issue. So, I guess it's. I would be selfish to say we needed more tunnel rat, but I dug him so much that I would like to, I guess I would like to have seen more. And yet I don't know if that, if that would have thrown it off. Right. So yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. Until I'll go interrogate. I would have said the same thing. Final that. answer. <laughs> Love the interrogator. I would agree with Weber and like be before reading that issue. Cause then after me, like, yeah, I, I agree. It wouldn't have been as impactful, I guess. Right. No. I mean, I'm always pulling for redheads, so. You know. So you want more Scarlet? More Scarlet. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of redheaded Joes, like disproportionately. So, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I didn't realize how many of you there are. Yeah, there's a lot. A lot more in Joe. Like, well, they only they only recruit the very best. Well, there you go. See? Yeah. I do. Oh, one thing I love the total non sequitur. Love that you threw in a, a Doctor Monocle reference to <laughs> Mind Better because it's so 
it's it's so uh dismissive right like yeah yeah like it's not like she doesn't know what his name is <laughs> right <laughs> but she can't be bothered to get she'll actually make more effort to get it wrong yeah that's how yeah. little she cares about his opinion so yeah. So she's a well-crafted insult rather than, you know, just using his regular names. Yeah, and in, in the first, in Mindbender's first Marvel Comics appearance, they call him Dr. Brainwave, like, twice. Like, somebody somebody mixed it up in the scripting, or maybe, I don't, I honestly don't remember if Hasbro was going to call him that and then changed huh. it later, but it, it, it almost, it reminded me of that a little bit. Like, they don't even care what this guy's name is. He's just a goof on some level. Or that's how it, that's how he's viewed within the organization is he's a quack, right? Yeah, he's, he's annoying and he doesn't affect my job much. But the commander keeps him around for some reason, so I have to deal with his garbage. Mm -hmm. And he does have killer abs, so we'll keep calling him Doctor. Yeah. But anyways, I, we didn't, I, I, he didn't go to evil school for eight years to be called Mister Mindbender, Mister Monocle. Mike, who you who would you want to have seen more of? I, I think we needed more stalker. Yeah. Oh, that he was kind of hanging around the periphery and he did get to he did get to, to do an issue five, but that was mm -hmm. that was really more of a you know a, a, a team kind of issue there. So it was a little bit of a different dynamic for the, the time where he was in the spotlight. But I I, I would have loved to have seen say Stalker running around with one of those teams at the end of the cast. Yeah, I agree. At IDW, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good call on Stalker though, because for one of the one of the tremendously popular Joes, he really hasn't gotten a lot of run in any of the Joe media in quite some time. So yeah, yeah, you you did more with him than the last couple of creative teams combined. So. I don't want you to feel bad about having Stalker in there the, the amount that you did. Well, I will also say uh, a little bit of inside baseball. Originally, uh, Stalker's and Roadblock's positions were going to be reversed. That Stalker was going to be on the team and Roadblock was going to be one of the instructors. And that was uh, an early Hasbro note was that they thought that since Stalker was one of the you know original Joes, it made more sense to have him be the, the instructor. So, yeah. yeah. So I originally had planned to use him quite a bit more. But, and so yeah, it would it would be great to see him do more as we as we do more. I also agree with Rob uh, that a, a mission with Rock and Roll's team would have been awesome. Yes, yes. Although technically, Cover Girl is the um, the head of that team, so Cover Girl's team. Yeah, take That's that rack time, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only. Only. So if you had an, another run, mm -hmm. um, you would you would use. Assuming you do have another run, we'll go with that instead of sure. like it. When you have your next run, you when Act Two starts, yes, when Act Two starts, <laughs> yes. Um, who, who that you haven't used, or who that you didn't flesh out in this first act, would you want to bring in? Like, obviously, like now that we talked about Stalker, you would want to see Stalker, but who else? You will see uh, in the second season a lot more, um, a lot more Snake Eyes and Destro. Okay. Um, are are two of the big ones because obviously we're set a lot of things up there that um, we didn't follow follow through on. Um, you'll see with the way things ended uh, in Castlefall, you'll see a very shifted dynamic within Cobra um, that I think people will find very very interesting. 
Um, and they won't show up a lot, but I have plans in the second season for the October Guard that I'm pretty excited about. Yes. Yeah. Joe jo just finished her collection, I think. Yeah. Oh, nice. Excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah. And I'll just keep I mean, sending you photos of each figure. <laughs> okay. Oh, this one. Oh, that one. Fantastic. Da, da yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, obviously in, in this universe, the October Guard. I think we, yeah, we do make a reference to them um, in issue eight. The um, the issue that takes place in Eastern Europe. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's mm -hmm. issue eight. Um, where where they're they're listed as as an ally of GI Joes. So you know, they're. I mean, doesn't mean they're an extremely comfortable ally, but you know, they're. Basically, similar to GI Joe, they are fighting the good fight against Cobra in um, in Russia and much of Asia. So, yeah. I mean, that was that was pretty well always the case, wasn't it? They were always always fighting Cobra. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, but I think in this case, they're like you know they they were they were fighting Cobra, but they're also fighting GI Joe. And you know, in this universe, like. G.I. Joe and October Guard are not fighting each other. You know, I mean, they, they don't have time for that. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, G.I. Joe basically is working for a country that doesn't exist. So <laughs> they're not, yeah, yeah, they've got bigger priorities. Fair. Yeah. So, Paul, before we, we move on to the post-sock, we do have some post-sock that we're, you're more than welcome to join us for as well. Sure. Uh, questions from the audience, if you will. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on your work in Act One of your GI Joe run here. No. All right. It's been fun. No, it's 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 been such a pleasure and such a joy, and I really appreciate you know all the support I've gotten both from Hasbro and IW and also from the fans. It's been a really it was a really wonderful experience writing this book, and I'm so happy to see it all collected together in a format that hopefully you know more people will be able to find throughout the years. In in one big chubby trade paper. Yes. That's that's it. That's good enough to wallop your grandpa with right there. Why would you do that? I don't know. Makes a good gift, right? Just saying. It does make a good gift, yes. Yeah. Christmas but, is only eight months away. Mother's Day, right around the corner, right? That's right. That's right. Just just miss St. Patty's Day, that's all right. You don't want anybody to spill anything on it, Joe. I mean Joe Colton, are the kids gonna get you the trade paperback? Yeah. <laughs> I think. A tip for everyone at home. Joe Colton does not have children. I do not have children. <laughs> I have red ninjas. Yeah. And we're trying to get a puppy. I think. Oh, nice. Oh, all right. There you go. And then yeah. upgrade. To, uh, later, you can upgrade to a cat. No. So of all the red ninjas, do you have a favorite or are they all your favorites? They're all my favorites. I figured, yeah. Too large. I like to dress them the same. That way I can't, I don't have to tell them apart. They're just numbered. And you're one, and you're right. two. <laughs> it's good practice. Five, get back here, five. Do your homework. They're, they are. They're always within like reach. <laughs> Let's move into the post sock. Let's see, did this actually come up for us here? Yeah. There we go. All right. I love it when a plan comes together. Howdy, y'all. I'm trying to come up with unique questions you've never got before, and it's getting tricky. Ooh. Yes, it is. So here goes. 
I'm giving you each $100 and the keys to my DeLorean. Which year are you going to and what are you bringing back? Love the podcast as well as your awesome community. Homer for the 2015 World Champion Kansas City Royals and I'm assuming Frank White uh, Joseph yeah. via email. So there we go. So I guess the, the question here is we're, we're, we've got the time machine and $100. What G.I. Joe stuff are we going back in time to, to buy? And uh, Joe, Joe Colton, let's start with you. You're, you're down at the bottom of the screen today. So Ooh. what you got? Do I have to go back? I kind of yeah. want to go forward. <laughs> Hoping the Vipers get restocked. Um, I would probably go back and get the what it doesn't say back. So if you have a year you want to go forward to, go for it. It doesn't, does it? All right, I'm gonna go forward and I'm going to get the next way. Uh, oh, hmm. I want to see after the movie's released, I want to see the next wave of figures that come out from Hasbro. Six oh, so now we've got what ifs. Are you going to get that wave, Joe Colton, or no? Yes, I'm going to go get that wave. So you're I going got the wave. I'm bringing it back. You're going to 2022 is what you're saying. Yes. Or late 2021. Or late 2023, whenever the movie comes out. You know, 2024, <laughs> whatever. I was considering using that line, but I thought it'd be, it would sound bitter coming from me. Right. It's nice when it comes from me because yeah. I'm laughing about it. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, what? You know, and this is just striking me because I saw a guy, some guy posted on Facebook today and said, hey, my mom uh, found some Joes of mine that I never opened. Uh, and so it was a guy who wasn't even that big a Joe collector, or so he claimed. And he posted up, and they're just kind of random stuff. And then there was a two-pack of uh, a Night Force two-pack sealed on card. And the Joe fans were, were quite expected a billion of, oh, they're not that valuable. Let's talk a deal offline, right? But the Joe fans responded to him, and they were like, that's really valuable, man. So don't get snowed on it. And for me, because I didn't have a Toys R Us in my hometown, I didn't even know Night Force existed. I had no idea until I was an adult collector and the internet clued me in. So I would love to go back to the, the era of Night Force and buy a bunch of those two packs off the peg. Just because they're so cool. And I never got to do that. I collected them later uh, before they were lunatic expensive like they are now. But I was always such a huge fan. Not always. Once I found out about Night Force... I was so excited about them because I liked my Joes a little bit more realistic. And I thought they made incredible improvements to some of the more garish Joes that I otherwise liked, like Psych Out and Crazy Legs. Like, I, I just thought that was fantastic. It was like the opposite of Tiger Force, where they took otherwise perfect Joes and made them look like losers. <laughs> I like Night Force. <laughs> Because it took some Joes that, for me, were a little too sci-fi, a little too not military, and made them cool. Or, on some occasions, took a very good Joe in Shockwave and made him fantastic, right? So, yeah, I go back and pick up as many Night Force 2-packs as I can find. So, Paul, you were not a big G.I. Joe collector as a kid. This is your chance to right some wrongs, man. 
Yeah, but I'm not going to do that. Um, similar to what Joe said, I am going to, I'm going to go like five years into the future. And, so when the movie comes out? And read the rest of, <laughs> when the movie comes out, and read the rest of my run, read the next uh, few seasons, ah! um, because that will make uh, writing it tremendously easier if I already know how it came out. Or it will cause a loop in the time stream. Right. It'll destroy us all. Don't worry about that. Or because of massive inflation after the zombie apocalypse, a hundred bucks won't get you a trade paperback. Oh yeah. And they'll be like, you can get issues 13, 14, 15. That's it. Well, it's again, like, that's, that's where the library comes in. Oh, now we're talking. So that you're going to rip out the pages from. Unless right. those post-apocalyptic like, libraries. Yes. Hey, where's the picture of the dog? Somebody ripped it out. There you bunch go. Of, a bunch of savages in this town. Uh huh. Future Paul probably set the whole series in Indianapolis, so he can't check them out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm going to be the basic. <sighs> I'm just going to roll back to 1986 because that way I can spend 50 bucks on a Terradrome and 20 bucks on a Cobra Moray and 30 more bucks on a Mauler, which is still on the shelf. Dollars, and I'm thrilled with it. I'm still playing with it all the way up until 2021. That's a good haul. Perfect. I'm a simple man. That's what I'm going to buy. You should you should keep the DeLorean, right? And just keep going back, buying Maulers, coming back to the future, and selling the antenna or the microphone, and then go back and buy another Mauler. And like, this is a whole Ponzi scheme, but I think it works. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Paul. Those are those microphones from heavy metal. They're really valuable. Just oh, nice. Okay. Because everybody lost them. I figured that out from context, but right, I do appreciate right. it. Yeah. All right. Just checking, man. Just, I mean, we, want you, we, want, we want everybody to be able to play the game. There you go. Excellent. Excellent. Next letter. Uh, in regards Ooh. to all the stuff about Snake Eyes race and the importance of him being an outsider. Uh, and this is in regards to the discussion we had last week uh, about the movie. Uh, it's important to remember, especially when talking about Japan, and even more importantly, when we are speaking about a quintessentially Japanese cultural expression like the ninja, being, quote, Asian doesn't make you an insider. In fact, Japan is, to this day, well over 90% Japanese, and there are persistent biases towards other Asian peoples from neighboring countries with deep historical roots. The emphasis on cultural... Uh, sameness is reflected in Japan's incredibly restrictive immigration policies today and in the downright draconian policies of the early modern period. Obviously, this does not reflect the perspective of all Japanese people, but it serves to illustrate the larger point, which is that Japan is not some sort of progressive pan-Asian society. Thus, Henry Golding, who is half-white and half-Malaysian, is squarely an outsider from a traditional Japanese perspective. Beyond his race, he spent his formative years in the UK, he is just about as far from Japanese and thus as far from being a cultural insider as you can get. Sure, he has Asian features, but people seem to be operating under the notion that all Asian people share a common cultural heritage. This is silly. People need to spend a little more time educating themselves before responding with reductive opinions. Yes, we grew up with a white skin class. No, there was nothing wrong with that. But as Mike says... <coughs> But as Mike says, <laughs> the really important thing here is that he's a cultural outsider. 
That's the core of the classic origin. And in fact, Snake Eyes is still a Westerner, still has white ancestry, and still not Japanese. Final thing to note here is the importance of moving past the, quote, white ninja trope that was new and interesting in the 80s, but which has grown a little tired uh, and in the minds of some has contributed to the paucity of leading roles for Asian actors in Hollywood. And this is a, a, a comment left for us on last week's episode by mm -hmm. Henry Myers uh, on our YouTube page. And I just thought it was thoughtful and well-written enough that we needed to include that here because I think it made a lot of points that we, if you'd given me a month, I'm not coming up with this stuff. Yeah. Um, this is this is a great take to me. Also, I find people are confusing or purposely or accidentally confusing a Malaysian British actor with the character. <laughs> right. <laughs> Two different things. Also... Being half Malaysian does not equal Japanese. Those are two very different cultures. They just, one is Southeast Asia and the other is North East Asia. Thank you for the geography lesson, Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> and I find it hard to believe that Hasbro slash Paramount decided that this is, that they wanted this one particular look of an actor to be snake eyes right i think they knew this was a critically important role uh for the relaunch of a franchise and they farmed it out to as many a-list guys as they could and they took whoever the best name was the best actor the most interesting uh the most interesting take on the role I, don't, I doubt if it was a plan and they went, it's got to be like this. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that Henry Golding was the best name or best actor who said, yeah, I can do that. It fits in my schedule. And they went great because we really want a, a strong uh, box office appeal leading man mm -hmm. to head up our franchise. And so I don't. And I don't he can connect with multiple cultures. Yeah, and, and maybe they were. Maybe that would always. I mean, that might always be an advantage, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sure. I'm sure that didn't hurt. But I think. I think they. You know, they started at the top, and if Tom Cruise said no, then they moved. Then they moved on. Yeah. And if Harrison Ford said, "How'd you get my number?" I'm sure they just moved on. So I. I get it, and but I. I agree with it's Mike's take. Uh, well, it's a lot of people's take, but Mike. Mike has trumpeted and championed this, and I completely agree with it. The important thing is he has to be an outsider mm -hmm. because that fuels the seed of dissent with Storm Shadow in a way that you don't have to agree with, but you can understand. That's really important. Um, and it's part, I, I'm not saying they have to do Larry's origin, um, that they have to stay truthful to that. But I think there has to be a really good reason to kick that part out because it's critical to how those characters fracture. So, I uh, I just wanted everybody to know that while you guys are making very important points, I was going out of my way to get a close up on on short round. Yeah, now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> good point. All right. No, I can't. It didn't work. That's okay. Good. We tried. We tried. Yep. Good boy, Shorty. Good boy. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with all this. Everything this uh, person says as well. But, oh, come on, buddy. <laughs> but um, 
That's fine. It's usually it's Weber's dog, so don't worry about it. Usually. Yeah. I was gonna say, um, yeah, we, we, we did also we did make um Snake Eyes Japanese in our in our book as well. Um which is it's said in his file card though obviously you know he only is in one panel so but we did that before they announced the casting here so i was actually kind of like a little relieved when they did the casting i was like oh good they're gonna get a bunch of heat for it and then you know we'll be able to just slide in under that <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah yeah like i said the outsider thing and the, the the take that we had was absolutely that you know being an american and his physical condition after the war and with his injuries would absolutely make him an outsider um and and that's 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 what matters like you said that's what matters to the character okay so thank you s myers uh for for uh getting down in print what we were unable to verbalize mm -hmm. well, and, and, and funny because a lot of the this spiking as a topic was because of golding's unboxing video right right that's what that's what really put him back on the map right after mm -hmm. the movie has been pushed so much so wait till the trailer drops right yeah and a whole bunch of eyes who kind of know joe or used to pay attention to gi joe see this and go what the oh my god i can't believe they changed i gotta say watching him unbox his figure was like watching a kid open his first gi joe like he he was so close to being like look at this this is fucking awesome well, she waited a full hour this time. I did. That was good. Pretty good. Well, you know, Pretty good. Ten seconds. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, two weeks ago, Paul, to fill you in, Joe set the record for earliest cursing on our program. Uh, when we, we go live, and immediately the first words out of anybody's mouth is "I fucking hate you, Mike." No, I thought you, I said you're a dick. Yeah, yeah that's that was it. <laughs> That right. was next. That was right next of, week. Right out of the gate. So that's it. We're proud of her for for making an hour this time. But you know the 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 faithful who tune in when we kicked off the show like that, they're like, ah, it's gonna be a good show. <laughs> no, like, it's gonna be, a, gonna be a good show this week. True. Next letter. All Word. right. Word. Out of curiosity, I checked to see what movies Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins will be up against on July 23rd. Oh. The only other movie scheduled to release on the 23rd is Old, a chilling, mysterious new th thriller about a family on a tropical holiday who discover that the secluded beach where they are relaxing for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. It is an M. Night Shyamalan feature. Uh, however, the week prior, we have two heavy hitters, Space Jam and Cinderella, and possibly some spillover from the July 9th release of Black Widow. Thoughts? And this is from Skinny via email. So good good question there. Really, I, I hadn't seen anybody look up the schedule so far. So uh, nice take here. Uh, Mark Weber, you know all about movies and put, getting pushed around on a schedule. What do you think? I mean, it's it's nice that there doesn't seem to be any any direct competition that same week. I think we still have no idea how how movies are going to play out pandemic wise, right? If right. we're, I mean, how how soon are you comfortable going back into a theater, right? And if a lot of people are comfortable quickly, it's like it's that old Gibby Barrel line, right? Where he says that restaurants uh, that restaurants too crowded, no one goes there anymore. Mm -hmm. So, like, if 
if a chunk of the nation is vaccinated and they're like, I cannot wait to go to the theater, if theaters are pretty packed, is that going to keep you from going? So I, I just wonder how how quickly people are going to be ready to get back to the theater. Because I love I love the theater experience, right? There ain't nothing like paying nine bucks for popcorn. But but seeing a movie you're really looking forward to, especially a spectacle movie like Black Widow will be and like we hope Snake Eyes will be as well, there's some movies you just have to see in the theater. Um, but I, I can't say when I'll actually be comfortable enough to go to the theater other than, you know, maybe going on like a Tuesday at noon when I know nobody's going to be there. But right. I don't want to be in a in a in a packed theater now uh you know optimistically come july maybe um but i just wonder i wonder how the how soon the theater experience will get back to anything we consider as normal so it is interesting that they moved it up notably in the schedule because obviously the safer play is to keep pushing it out but so many massive hits keep getting pushed out that there is an opportunity for what they call it, blue water basically by pulling it a little bit ahead. So uh, just uh, given my history and my experience with this third GI Joe movie, I was just excited to see it move in a different direction. <laughs> Very true. Uh, I'll, my take here is that I, I think it's going to see more, like Snake Eyes will have more competition from Black Widow than it will from Space Jam or Cinderella. Mm -hmm. I, I think Space Jam and Cinderella are kind of different audiences there. Uh, it's more counter-programming than, than competition. Uh, but I think that, that Black Widow release just two weeks before will determine a lot of walk-up business. You know, it, like if Black Widow is a big hit right out of the gate, maybe not. Because everybody will get that first viewing out early, um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I, but I really think Black Widow is the key to to this. I think the the success or well, it's going to be successful, right? Like it's a Marvel movie. It's an Avenger. It's Black Widow. She's popular. It's going to be a successful movie. But I think if it's one of those just knock your socks off Black Panther kind of success stories, Snake Eyes is in trouble. But Black Widow will also be available though for like twenty bucks on Disney Plus. I think Snake Eyes is probably the first movie on the schedule that's going to be the first big temple movie that you cannot see streaming, even if you're willing to like pay a bunch of money for it at home. Good point. It's a good point. I know uh, I'll probably be seeing it at a drive at a drive-in theater. So okay. <laughs> yeah, it's probably that's probably my level of comfort. But then we'll still be like, uh, theaters. I don't know. You know, I live in Indiana where there's not a lot of people getting vaccinated here. So yeah. Well, and I want I wonder if it'll hurt Widow that the main character, we, we know her end story, right? Hmm. We know how she dies. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for the black widow movie. And I like that spy part of the MCU a ton, but I would, I can't lie. I would have been more excited about a standalone black widow movie five years ago, right? right. Or four yeah. years ago. When they should have done it. That's Marvel's fault or Disney's fault or whatever. That they didn't that they didn't believe enough in a fantastic female character mm -hmm. to lead, not I don't say lead with that but to go to that quicker 
and that's where it, you know a lot of people think Marvel versus DC has been a theater knockout. But you have to give DC credit for getting Wonder Woman out and having it be fantastic before Marvel could counter with their own. I guess Captain Marvel was their first. So I'm excited for Widow, but I think I would have. I know I would have been more excited a few years ago. I don't know. I, I mean, as far as her being dead, this Loki series is going to play with the timeline, so maybe she won't. That's possible. But I, 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 I love a good a good death on screen. Like in comic books, we're so used to it, right? That when they come back, we're like, well, it's comic books, right? It's not, it's not Uncle Ben. You know, they've all got a chance to bounce <laughs> when they hit the ground. But yeah, a movie death, you know, is is resonant. As a matter of fact, I just watched, rewatched uh, Endgame, and that last shot of her, you know, splat on the ground—that's really something. And so, mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway, I almost made a mind bender joke when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> you are my friend. Wait out and that's the end of post sock right there. We got a little dancing guy back from last week. He makes me happy. I also hope M. Night Shyamalan wasn't watching that last question because he's probably crying now if he was. Yeah, I... I no one's taking my movie seriously. I could be a threat. What is he? <laughs> I mean, it's funny because my, my son is, is 13, right? So he's... Or, ooh, 14... Uh, he was just getting through some of the early Shyamalan stuff that he was finally ready for. Hmm. So I think people forget sometimes because of what's happened since how great some of his early stuff was. That's true. I mean, we just watched Sixth Sense yeah. for my son for the first time, right? And I always thought Signs was incredibly underrated. Hmm. I'm a big fan of that movie. We watched that too. And so it is a, it is a shame how some things have gone since. But at right. one point, Man, that was that was some top shelf entertainment. That's true. That. Yeah, honestly, one of my best theater going experiences was seeing The Sixth Sense in a the theater like opening weekend without knowing even that there was a twist. So right. that was really, was really is the best way to see that movie is you know to go in knowing nothing. Yeah, and before and before yeah. he got so well known for that being his thing, right. Yeah, because right? because that's all anybody thinks about now is well, yeah. I'm just gonna wait for it. To the point where like the village, I like called the twist when I saw the trailer. You know, right. so right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that in the the Tom Cruise flick, and if anybody, if you're waiting to see Oblivion, you know, don't listen right now. But when the, the trailer the trailer came out on the front of the movie, and I go, "He's a clone," and and the dude behind me went, "Damn it!" Like, Sorry, honestly, that's not on me. That's on the studio. Like, yeah. what what was the one with um, with Mark Wahlberg? The M. Night Shyamalan movie with Mark. Oh, Wahlberg. yeah. The Happening? Sure. Yeah. But I called that one in the in the trailer. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's the plants. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry. But, yeah, it's only 10 years gone by, so whatever. <laughs> I, I regret nothing. The only thing about signs that bothered me was that the aliens, uh, their weakness was water, and they were, like, hiding in the cornfield, like, you know, Anyone who's been in a cornfield in the morning <laughs> knows that that is an extremely wet place. So right. I think there might be a little bit of a cultural disconnect with M. Night Shyamalan there. But yeah. Yeah. Like corn is one of the 
crops that need the most water. Mm-hmm. So if they're hiding, they're moving around a lot. Anyways. Not a lot of cornfields in Philadelphia. I exactly, guess. yeah. So dumb. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? Not much, apparently. No. I'm staining from commenting. <laughs> hey, we haven't even talked about Space Jam yet, right? Isn't that the, yeah. the LeBron Space Jam? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So I assume he's going to join the Monstars team as an easier path to a championship. Joe seems I, like she has very um, strong opinions about the Space Jam movie. I, I think that's... Uh, he, he does that, and then several other NBA stars do that, and then the Monstars actually leave the Monstars and join the Toon Squad and help them win a championship. And that's <laughs> your story. Don't they have to go to Brooklyn? They all have to go to Brooklyn. That's how it works now. Yeah. Uh, sure. Somebody's got to fill in for LaMarcus Aldridge. <laughs> Poor guy. But... Um, Anyhow, uh, that brings us to what we got in, where we brag about stuff that we, we got in last week. Whether it's, you think it's cool or not, we don't care. So, <laughs> Joe Colt, a big old box of wine. No, that's what you got in today. She got a different box last week. Yeah, that's true. This is our third box of wine this week. It, it's like Pringles. You can mix them. Paul, you're our guest. What would you get in this week? Um, happens to be right next to me. I was not planning this, but uh, I picked this up from the little free library in my neighborhood. I did not know that Denny O'Neill did the prose novelization of The Dark Knight, so I look forward to to checking that out. So, yeah, yeah. And I also got in, uh, you know, the trade of World on Fire and Hollow Heart number two, but, you know, mainly the Denny O'Neill prose book from 15 years ago. I can get those, I can get those signed for you. I know a guy. Oh, excellent, excellent. Fantastic. Joe Colton, what'd you get in? Uh, I got the Blu-ray for Wonder Woman 84. It's not my it's not my favorite film, but I I want to support the franchise. So Yeah, I mean Wonder Woman's kind of your thing. So it's yeah. okay. I'm cool with that. Yeah. yeah. There there's a copy of there's a copy of Rise of Cobra on my shelf. Okay. I yeah. Know yeah. yeah. So that's like, that's like me buying a Bon Jovi album. Like, I know it's going to suck, but I'm kind of vested at this point. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it didn't suck. I just think Patty Jenkins can't write third acts. That's what I'm sus- suspecting. And, and there's one. There's a third. Uh, there's a damn third act in every movie too. Hard right. Yeah. With a climax that you just, you just curse these movies having to end. Man. I saw someone on Twitter say something about 84, Wonder Woman 84. I was like, oh, man, that's so accurate. Where They said, like, every sequence in that movie seems like it was written by a different committee that didn't know what any of the other committees were doing. Which I know, that's very, I know that's very harsh, but, you know, Look, not, not wildly inaccurate either. Oh, no. No. That movie had a fantastic cast. Uh, it was not constrained by budget. Uh, nope. It had people that were fired up. It had a, a fan base that was fired up to go see it. And it, yeah, it missed the mark. Yeah, it just it just I wouldn't say it laid an egg, but it it certainly wasn't a bullseye either. Um, the first twenty minutes were amazing. Yeah, I give you that. Yeah, and, and then it, like it also had the weight that a lot of the DC movies lately have been disappointing. Yeah, but not the original Wonder Woman third yeah. act, notwithstanding. And so I think a lot of people were like, "Good, thank God, here comes another Wonder Woman." Can't wait. Then they're like, "Ah, see." You do it. I like did, when 
the DC movies have been a little bit better lately. Like the Batman and Superman ones were pretty awful. But but Aquaman was okay. Um, Aquaman was great. Shazam was great. Shazam was fantastic. I loved Shazam. Mm -hmm. uh, almost as good as Wonder Woman in my mind. But, you know, Suicide Squad, I, I didn't... Eh. Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of whatever. Yeah, no. Um, that was a waste. And as a woman, I was like, dear God, come on. And as, as a man, I was like, dear God, come on. <laughs> I'm very cautiously optimistic about it. Is it V Batman? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Oh. yeah. I don't know. At we'll least see. one of us is. <laughs> I mean, I I tend to be optimistic, and then after things come out, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. they got they they got me again. But we'll it's see. better to be that guy, though, right? Than to be yeah. the guy who goes, well, it's probably going to suck, right? And then the movie has to convince you otherwise, <laughs> right? I go in with no expectations in all movies now, yeah. like, and I'm I'm like either hopeful, I'm hopeful for it. I'm just he's not a convincing Bruce Wayne or Batman. Hmm. More like an anorexic, weird guy. Jabo, I have always thought that being Batman isn't that hard, right? No. But being Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne. is the key mm -hmm. to a convincing Batman movie, which is why I liked uh, Bale's rendition. I thought he did the kind of tortured, irreverent, you know, slightly irreverent in a in a dark way. Well, uh, in the first two movies, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, the third one. That third one, he was terrible. Wasn't his fault. Again, bad writing, good performance, but yeah, uh, great cast. Like movie Batman, has been okay. Like even I, I don't have a problem with Ben Affleck's Batman. I thought he was a I good. I love movie. Ben Affleck's Batman. But my God, give the man something to do. Yeah, besides, yeah. Besides, he was better in uh, Zack Snyder's uh, eh. version rather than. Look for everybody yeah. out there. Crowing about how releasing the Snyder Cut was such a such a great look. Clearing that bar is no great shake. I know. <laughs> it's not like Joss's like version was fantastic, and you had to beat it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. You traded a, a version of, of Justice League that knew how to knew what Superman was and was a terrible movie for a movie that was okay and had no idea what Superman was. So, eh. Uh, Superman's not that deep. I'm not sure how you get him wrong. Yeah, but they, but Zack Snyder did, and several times. Several times. Just, just bad. Bad movies. Bad Superman movies. Bad Superman character. Boo. Sorry, I'm on a rant. An, an, an incoherent rant at that. I'm just I'm booing myself. Just, oh, confounding. Confounding. I'm hoping the third Wonder Woman is... Paul, oh, you got any thoughts here? I, I, I hate drowning out our guest on non-Joe talk. I have not seen any of these movies. So you're, the, the Justice Leagues, the Batman v Superman, yeah. It, in, but, the, in the big picture, you're better for this. Yeah. yeah. Is, oh, yeah. Don't no, believe me. I have no regrets. It, it isn't because of lack of access, I'm guessing. Right. No. no like, it is not. Choice. I don't <laughs> like, want to lose two and a half hours of my life. Yes. Yes. I've, was, I've, I've seen Zack Snyder movies before. That was yeah. enough. <laughs> a friend of mine, friend of mine came to visit beautiful. once. A friend of mine came to visit once with a whole pile of movies and said, Hey, have you seen Fast and the Furious 6? 
And I went, you know what? I missed one through five. <laughs> and, and he totally missed the the what I was getting at. He's like, cool, we'll watch it. Oh, <laughs> cool. Weber, Weber. Yeah, I need I need you and I to watch Fast Nine trailer I, together. I no, I what I want to do trailer. I, 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 I just want to watch it with him. I hope that I'm feeling good and that comfortable enough in the theaters to go there. Oh my God, there's a lovely Elizabeth making a cameo. <laughs> I want to go on night one with all of the maniacs. Yeah. And I want to. I want to heckle the movie live. No. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, want to yeah. go with you. I just yeah, want to so like good. watch you watch right? the movie. Uh, when the eighteen wheeler does the front flip and then the helicopter picks it up and throws it through the moon base or whatever, I just want to be the one guy who goes, "That couldn't happen." Can I just tell you, they go to space. In this right? one. Of course they do. <laughs> of course they do. Paul. I'm I so just... excited. I want to watch the trailer with you. I'm sure I'm sure Vin Diesel just sits on an M80 firecracker and they just launch him up to the moon and, and so cool. Weber, what'd you get in this week? Uh okay, well, two things. <laughs> two things. And I need a little advice on this. A lot of people got their their Snake Supreme Total yeah. Commander in the fall, but I was mine was later for some reason. So, you know, great figure, very, very detailed and everything. I don't even know if this is hard to show. But you see the nice gold striping going up his right by the brutal chestnut? Yeah. Uh -huh. You see how mine's not painted? Yeah. Now above the belt? Yeah. So do I just hang on to that or do I check out a little Hasbro customer service and be that guy? I and know. Just paint uh it. On a decorative figure like this, I think it's okay to be that guy. I mean, it is a little more expensive than the regular stuff, and I don't know. Yeah. Maybe if maybe if there weren't a brutal chest cut catching my eye, I'd have missed that. But, uh, I, I think I think on a, a figure like this, where it is it is very clearly a a decorative kind of thing, I, I think you're all right being that guy. By and large, Hasbro customer service is excellent. So if they have one, I'm sure they'll replace it for me. So I may I may ring that bell this week. And the other one, the slow reveal on this is going to be great. A lot of guys I've seen online buying uh, two-scale Harley Davidson motorcycles and stuff for their dreadnoughts, right? Because from from other toy companies and other replica stuff, because they want all their dreadnoughts riding their Harleys and looking like a motorcycle gang, right? So I was in the the uh, supermarket and oh, who's this guy? That's, well, it's, it's Skidmark. Skidmark, great name. I just happened to have him handy, but he was a driver. But look what I got here, baby. Now we're talking. That's right. It's a two-scale Vespa. <laughs> I like the Vespa. For whoever you want to be your least threatening Joe or Cobra. I still say you got to throw buzzer on the back of there. It's pretty slick, right? What just are you to... saying about Vespas? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. But there's no tiger figure. I guess it's right. lazy bastard custom time. <laughs> and I'll have to uh, get my Vespa going. But yeah, that's what I got in. Uh, what did I get in? I don't think I got much. I got hmm. I got Paul's trade paperback. All right. Well, you won, obviously. <laughs> I, I also picked up Picked up Paul's other series he's got going on right now. First two issues of Hollow Heart. Yes. 
good stuff. Recommended deep, deep characterization in the book, Paul. Why don't you talk about Hollow Heart for a minute? Sure. Uh, Hollow Heart is a um, it's the it's a queer monster love story. It's about a um, a, a jumble of organs in a mech suit who is stuck in a lab and wants to get out and he meets a mechanic who is willing to, to help him. But, but uh, things are a little bit um, not quite what they seem. And it goes to some very weird and, and dark places. And uh, yes, it's a very weird, quirky book. It's very different from GI Joe, obviously, but I think that, you know, people who like my writing in general will, will really dig it. Um, And yeah, it's, it's been, it's really been connecting with people in a way that's been very heartening. I'm doing it with Paul Tucker. It's coming out through Vault Comics. And like you said, the first two issues are out. and It's a six-issue mini, so we got we got four more coming out in the next four months. I mean, we're we're in issue two, and things are already, like you said, weird and dark. So if if you like horror comics, this is a good yeah. horror comic. This is a this is a great horror comic. Thank you. I I I I got I have no idea what's going to happen next, and that's that that by itself is keeping me ready for for issue three. Many terrible things. Well, I I mean that. <laughs> I suppose the the dread is is all that the dread is all I can get a finger on. Excellent. And, and I got to imagine, even though you know writing on Joe is great, it must it must be a totally different exercise when to write in something you totally created yourself. Yeah, it's definitely a different part of your brain, um, and I enjoy them both. But yeah, yeah, and I tend to, I t- I think I tend to treat my licensed books more like creator-owned books than a lot of other folks do. Like I tend to try to push them in their own distinctive direction as much as the licensor will let me. But yeah, when, when it is something you've like co-created, um, with in this case my artist and co-creator Paul Tucker from the start, it's a it's a very different thing. And so that's uh, that's it for what we got in. I'll, I I do have some cool stuff coming in next week. So my my I'll, I'll have some. Everybody likes it when we bring when we get toys. I'll have toys next week. So that brings us to shout outs. And uh, Paul, why don't you go first again? You're our guest. Who, who are we giving a shout out to out there? Um. I'd like to give a shout out to everyone I work with on GA Joe, Chris Chris Havenhouse, uh Bri Peer, Neil Uyataki, uh Emma Viacelli, Nico Walter, Ryan Kelly, and our wonderful editor, uh, Bobby Kernow. Shout out to all those amazing people who made this book great. We'll continue to make that book great. Yes. All yes. reach out to IDW. Yeah. IDW publishing. IDW publishing. And tell them that we want more of Paul Allers GI Joe. That's right. Yes. Joe Colton, who are we shouting out to? Uh, my shout out is to my hubby. Um, the Westlock, West Whitlock. Yes, for the wine and making me dinner uh, after a long day. Um, the teachers that have to continually deal with students <laughs> during COVID <laughs> as we're still in a pandemic um, and the frontline workers who are still working long, exhausting hours, trying to make sure they contain and help people and the frontline workers who are administering vaccines. Um, and then uh, my group of friends who uh, William, Maggie, um, Julie, and Galen that are our bubble um, with Wes and I. And knock on wood, we've been 
very good in uh, keeping our bubble safe. And so now we're all getting our vaccines. And so now it's, it's, it's nice. Yeah, it's really nice. So I got my second vaccine um, this week and it was a little rough, but um, it was totally worth it. The side effects are the headaches and the, the exhaustion and, and achiness for like 24 hours or 36 hours or whatever was totally worth it. So hopefully I get to see my parents soon. So yeah. That's it. Those are my shout outs. Honcho Mark Weber. Mine's easy. Mine's the all family edition. So to uh, my son, Derek, uh, my daughter, the lovely Elizabeth Weber, who's waving off camera. Uh, my wife, Michelle, they're headed to Arizona to see uh, my wife's family and cousins this week. So I'm excited that they get to take a trip because they haven't done that in ages. And they're leaving me the house to myself. So I'm excited about that. Uh, and uh, that means uh, I only have one sibling, my older brother, Mike who's uh, coming up from New Jersey to spend four days up here. So oh, grab a case of Lowenbrow. We're heading to Weber's. It's going to be so good. <laughs> like, it's, there's just something totally different about like a whole family get together. And then like when you just get to spend time with any of them, just one-on-one. So Mike and I haven't had any one-on-one stupid brother time. So we're going to, we're going to dive into that. So it's going to be a really good visit. I uh, can't wait to see my big brother, Mike. Excellent. So you basically you're going to turn into me and rack timer up. Yeah. Like what you guys do all the time, we're going to do for like four, four straight days. So it's going to be, it's going to be all, you know, take out pizza and wrestling matches on the TV, not between the two of us. He's, he's, a lot, he's bigger than me. Uh, so, uh, and movies and just got that, got that mustache. Man. He's a retired police officer. So he is grandfathered in on the giant push mustache. So, mustache. yeah, he's, he looks like, give me a big push broom mustache and add about three inches of height and 50 pounds of muscle. And that's Mike yeah. Weber. Yeah. So he's, he's terrifying. Tough. Yeah. So I'll, I'll treat him well because the alternative is terrifying. <laughs> now, if, if, if that character shows up in hollow heart number six, we'll know. <laughs> right. hard, hard to miss a redheaded mustache that big. So uh -huh. that's the big bad at the end of the, the book. Yeah. Now well, we, and and he and he has to win because that much red hair pretty much can't be stopped. That you, you no, it's impossible unless you get him out in the sunlight. Oh, and he goes off like a man. Look out! There she goes. She's wearing, ah! she's wearing an Undertaker hat. What's going on? Rest in peace, Biz. Let's say she's taking her time too. She knows she she she's starting to like these cameos, isn't she? She got to buy it. She's the only one who's not afraid of the camera. I, actually, Derek probably wouldn't care. Yeah. Um, but the other day, uh, Mrs. Weber, the lovely Michelle, wants no part. And so the other day she was trapped down here on an Eternal Baseball podcast. And I was a total gentleman. And not only did I tip my cap to her, but I tipped my cap. Maybe I've got it here. There we go. I did the hat tip and gave her room to escape. <laughs> Just like that. So let it never be said that I don't have the soul of a gentleman. Did that get you uh, husband points? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta figure out what I'm gonna save them up for. They're kind of rare, I'll be honest. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But I know, in well, she's taking the kids, right? So anytime one of us is gone for a long period of time, when the vacationing one gets back, or the one 
who didn't have the kids, they get them like coffee mugs, right? It's like, here, <laughs> you take them for a while. So I'll have to step my game up in about nine days. Hmm. Yeah, no big. It's fine. It's nine days away. Not even thinking about it. It's less, less than a beer and they're unconscious. <laughs> right. That's yeah. Problem. Yeah, my daughter's 11. She can't hold her liquor at all. Oh. Not at all. Just, just, just half Kids a beer. I'm going to send her to Joe Colton training camp this summer. <laughs> I have a story to tell you. Oh, I can't wait. She'll come back cursing like a sailor and drinking like one, too. Can't Probably. wait. But you know what? At least guys won't be able to take advantage of her trying to make her drink a lot. That's, that's true. That's true. And then I'll show her how to give a really good right hook. Now we're talking, right? It's the, <laughs> it's the Joe Colton, Marion Ravenwood training camp. Right. Soft spots. The eyes, the nose, and the throat—that's where you gotta. I heard a great, I heard a great line about fighting someone larger than you. They say there's no eye machine at the gym. <laughs> I like that. There is not. There's no eye machine. Nobody skips eye day. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or armpit machine either. If you got a fork. That's true. I I, I used to ask my brother because we grew up wrestling fans. Hey, you ever get to do any cool like grappling moves as an officer? And he was like, you know what's most valuable? Grab a pinky and bend it backwards. <laughs> Paul, Paul, this is every week I get to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but it, I thought that was cool. Oh, God, the tangents every week. <laughs> Apparently, bend the pinky backwards works on everybody. Yes. So anyway, back to Fast 9. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> they said the Condoning moon, violence is not moon. good. Yes. I want to go to this the opening night uh, cosplaying as a magnet based on the trailer. That's what I want right. to do. It's the gi giant magnet. <laughs> Weber, can you please tape yourself watching it and just send it to me? Like I really, I just want to see your face. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I know enough about it to know that it's kind of embarrassing that the scene is still not as good as The Rock. <laughs> anyway. Right? You know it's a five billion dollar franchise. Sorry, Mike. It makes me so sad. It makes me so sad. <laughs> My shout outs, uh, of course, Rex, <laughs> the unsung fourth man of, of what's on Joe Mind, Oli. Oh, Oli. Uh, expect more rack time when we get more GI Joe books for him to to review. At IW uh, give a shout out to our sponsors at Kokomo Toys. Uh, sing oh, yeah. with me, everyone. Kokomo, 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 Kokomo Toys. Kokomo Toys. Kokomo, Kokomo, Kokomo Toys. Kokomo Toys. I was going for a Beastie Boys thing. Yeah. Okay. First, we all shout something. That's it. That's it. That's the one. But yeah, Paul, you used to used to be a journalist up at Kokomo, didn't you? Yeah, I lived in Kokomo for 13 years. Yeah, I was a journalist there for three years, and I worked for the city there for 10 years. All right. Yep. I was wow. there when uh, when Kokomo Toys moved into their very cool current location. I used to stop in, and every time I would write a new character in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I would go and buy their figure from Kokomo Toys. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So you were kind of sponsored by Kokomo Toys too. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There are a couple of spots down from the comic shop there in Kokomo, which I, I helped them um, open up as well. Helped them when I was working with the city get a small business loan and pick their location and they just happened to pick a location across the street from city hall. So like, Hey, you know, 
this place is open. Check it out. Yeah. And then I could just stop there on my way to my car on Wednesdays. Nice. <laughs> That's nice. Man, and you, you've, you've done something tangible to help the world for all us dorks. There you so go. That's a good thing. I was going to say, it sounds like government corruption, but I'm going to let it go. Yes. But, I'm going to uh, let it go. Glad to hear it. I'll allow it. <laughs> also want to give out a shout out to our guest, Paul Aller. Everybody at home, we can tell you're doing it too. And uh, a shout out to, of course, my co-hosts, Joe Colton, Mark Weber, uh, to everyone watching us here in the live team stream, uh, and to everybody who is watching this on recording far in the future. Uh, we've, we've biffed on two impromptu contests in a row, so we're going to hold off on doing any more impromptu contests. But uh, we'll figure something out. Uh, we do have plenty of gifts here that are ready to go when we get to 1,000 subscribers. Maybe some people should share some videos. Good idea. Um, and, uh, of course, like this one, leave a comment, subscribe if you haven't already. I will say that most of our most of our viewership has subscribed. We're up over something like 8%, which is good. The, the trick now is, of course, not to keep getting the same people. We love that the same people keep coming back, but we, we need the same people to start spreading the word. Yeah. So take us to your social media. Take us to Twitter. Take us to Facebook. We don't care. Spread us around. We're we're like we're like a terrible disease. We're like a plague. We're like locusts. We've been doing this for ten years. Our anniversary is in nine days. Nine days. Nine days till ten years. That's how long we've been doing this. Wow. So please help us out uh, by by uh, by spreading the word and getting this format changed more to books. Paul, you got any last words for the What's on Joe Mind universe? No. He's like, you guys are insane. I feel like I dodged the <laughs> bullet with the uh, impromptu contest thing. Um, so, yeah. We're, we're just trying to give toys away, Paul. Oh, okay. Not like a contest where I have to do something. No, no. no. Okay. okay. We, got, we got stuff from Kokomo Toys. Hey, wait a minute. Oh, nice. That's, that's the new stuff. That this, guy looks like... That guy looks like everybody. That's what you missed out on. Yeah, that's Lady J in Frontier. That's, that's correct. <laughs> Almost. They didn't get his beard right, but otherwise, wow. that's frontier. The beard is terrible. The beard is not good. But apparently, apparently, that was the same paint app machine that handled my Cobra Commander. Right? Yeah. yeah. Look Mystic what you started, Paul. Look what you did. Sorry. Sorry. So just, just know full well that uh, when we start getting subscribers and start doing contests again, that we have these in the quiver. Nice. So uh, why don't why don't you guys uh, leave me an idea on what we what what we should do for a contest to give these bad boys away? Mm -hmm. How about a hintless, down below a hintless crossword puzzle? Nah, those never work. Really like that. I'll pitch it a couple more times. You'll like it two times from now. I'll like it the third time. You will. I like already it. sold. For my guest Paul Aller, for my co-host Joe Colton and Mark Weber. I'm Mike Irizarry. Thanks so much for joining us here on the What's on Joe Mind team stream. Uh, we've made a lot of noise about getting vaccinated. I got shot number one today. Uh, Joe got shot number two earlier this week. But please exercise your freedom of choice and choose to wear a mask. Keep the people around you safe. Keep yourself safe, too. Uh, this has been What's on Joe Mind. Have a great night. We'll see you next Friday at 9 o'clock for the next team stream. Good night, everybody. Thanks see, you, see you short round. See you.